What's holding most nation states back from adopting Bitcoin? A group of small individuals who own a, a load of the world's wealth who will meet together to try and act in their own best interest. That's what's holding back adoption for countries to make the decision to say, yeah, let's make it our legal currency. But I don't think that's really a problem for Bitcoin. It's basically just a matter of time till people and nation states and institutions and everybody involved figures out what Bitcoin is and how Bitcoin can help on an individual level, on a nation state level. I think you're start to see some nation states making moves. How long can this fiat system still survive? Can this debt ever be paid off? No, it won't be paid off. So there has to be some bubble that will pop. When can we see a 100k US dollar Bitcoin price? Before we get really into like the Bitcoin uh, nation state adoption, hyper-Bitcoinization, what are you doing at the Chain Free uh, organization and in Serbia? I always like to try, uh, start with your journey. Like, how did you discover Bitcoin? How did you have a shitcoin, altcoin uh, phase uh, in your journey? <laughs> uh, what was, what is your motivation to be so engaged in the Bitcoin community? So, yes, my first my first ever instance of uh, discussing Bitcoin was actually back in 2012. Uh, and that was easily dismissed as magical inter internet money, the, the typical dismissal. Uh, I was discussing with some friends, I forgot exactly who it was, but uh, they were talking, we were talking about, oh yeah, look at Bitcoin, it's going up to, could it be going up to $100 or something? What is this stuff? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, okay, fine. And then another conversation. And it was always there in the background, Bitcoin little, you know, it, it just didn't really show up hard on my radar i had no idea what it was or what it could do or what it was capable of completely dismissed it then 2017 happened and i was on bitcoin reddit actually and i saw that bitcoin the uh the subreddit was uh was kept on posting that one meme of the of the of the guy of, of the of the of the person that that little character on the roller coaster and he's keep kept in his keep on going up and he's like you know hands in the air going woohoo you know going up and i was like that's 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 interesting what's going on there <laughs> then i see this a couple of times i guess this is the beginning of this is at the uh, end of 2016 beginning of 2017 then i get a phone call from my uh, from my best friend and he's like hey philip have you hey, do you know do you know about bitcoin and i was like well yeah but what's up he was like you, you should buy some and i was like why well, it's a great hedge against inflation and and there's only going to be 21 million. And that was as far as our knowledge, my knowledge was of Bitcoin. It was all, and, and it's just a good investment. It could be the new future of money and stuff. All right, fine. Show me. So he showed me. He got me into Coinbase, Coinbase accounts. I bought some. He told me to put it into a wallet, which was very nice of him. But then I was asking him, so what's, uh, what's uh, Ethereum and Litecoin? <laughs> that's what they were selling also on coinbase at the time just those three and i bought i bought some of that shit as well and i say some of that shit no, i'm i'm saying that bitcoin is not shit. i'm saying i bought those shit coins thinking that they also stood a chance of being of having a future and yeah i guess i was distracted by shit coinery my friend also got me involved uh on in uh, in the ico craze the initial coin offering phrase that was a big thing in the 2017 you saw so many people coming up with projects all these white papers all these um 
brilliant, I say brilliantly, yeah, the brilliant scams of, of people coming up with uh, really well written um, two or three pages of something like how that coin is going to save the world, as how it's going to how it's going to you know save dolphins from uh, from from uh, from I don't know from, from the oceans and from humans, and it's gonna it's not going to boil this, it's not going to it's not going to it's not going to win. You know, we're, we're going to have the new fastest transacting coin, and it's going to have it's going to fix that on vulnerability. It's going to create it's fix that security issue. It's going to create this this speed and all that stuff. So like, wow, look at all these amazing projects. Look at all these smart people. And they have these initial coin offerings. You can get in there early. You can probably get the next Bitcoin. It's always about the next Bitcoin. So I probably wasted, I don't say loads of uh, loads of my money back then. But uh, you know, I was I was buying you know hundred dollars here, hundred dollars there for these ICO tokens, hoping that they would take off. None of them took off. So I learned the hard way there, and I realized that ICOs were a load of shit, and that only just solidified my understanding that Bitcoin was the one, the king. And I remember back in 2017, we created a group on WhatsApp with some some friends. We got more friends involved in it. And I remember Bitcoin was always to, referred to as the king. Oh, the king moves. When the king moves, everyone, everything else moves and stuff. So it's all, it's all about Bitcoin. But everyone's always getting caught up about other shit coins as well. So we were all... I said my group of friends were always were distracted by a lot of the shit coinery. Then it wasn't until 2020. Okay, sorry. The bear market in 2018 happened. Um, I I was always always very heavy on holding Bitcoin. I think I had like 80% of my portfolio, 90% in Bitcoin, and the rest was Litecoin and Ethereum. Um, but, uh, because I thought that they could stand a chance, you know, I thought, Hey, if they're on Coinbase, they, they mean something. Um, but I also saw that their holdings got gradually worse and worse as the bear market happened and Bitcoin just, just stayed there doing its thing and just didn't, you know, it lost its, it lost its price and fiat, but, uh, it was there, it was doing its thing. And I, and I didn't really study further. I did not study further much into Bitcoin at all. I was distracted by my personal life. You know, I, I had just got married. My son was just born in the beginning of 2018. Um, but all the while, whenever I got a paycheck or whenever this, I would I would DCA or, or, or smash buy whenever I had some, 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 some cash lying around only into Bitcoin. Then comes 2020 with the pandemic. And that's when my eyes started to really open up. I saw that having not been fully aware of what the reasons why and what actually happened during the 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009 financial crisis, or what was the cause of that, I had my theories, I had my ideas, I was working in in traditional finance, in asset Mm -hmm. management, I thought I knew why it was the case. But you, one thing is you don't question the money. You don't actually question monetary theory. You don't question what is money. And this is what I started questioning in 2000. And that is what led me to, um, to joining my Bitcoin, my, my, sorry, my Bitcoin, my Twitter account that was dormant since like 2010. I had some dormant big, uh, a Twitter account. I joined on there. I started following some, uh, some Bitcoiners, but also some crypto guys. Realized that the crypto, the crypto uh, accounts were all cringe. And they didn't really make much sense, and they felt like a whole bunch of charlatans and scammers. But the Bitcoin maxis 
were making a lot of sense. Um, not only were they, there, there was intelligent uh, discourse and some and some really great analysis and talk and you know an education from the likes of Safety and Gigi, uh, Bitstein and those people, and then Sailor came to the scene as well. But there's some fantastic memes and humor and great shit posting that was happening, and I thought that no, this is fantastic. And I really it, it got to me. It got to me. I basically I was. Orange pilled. I want to say it was in an overnight process, but it happened. It happened sort of gradually over two thousand into two thousand twenty-one. When I took, when I sold all the shit coins I had, which was not much, um, and just was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a maxi now." <laughs> <They're> the worst. <laughs> they're, 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 there's no second best, <laughs> as 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 per sailor, really. Yeah. So is, that's yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh... This area was amazing. I think uh, when you go back to like 2017 to 2018, around that time and search for Bitcoin only content, it was quite hard to find. I think I just came in 2020. Uh, so I don't know, but uh, this is what I hear a lot. And now if you search for Bitcoin only content, there are like so many podcasts, there are so many good written pieces, there are blogs out there, there are uh, Twitter accounts that only post about Bitcoin. Uh, it's amazing that there was not much before. And I didn't, if only I'd come across, uh, for example, the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute, who started by Pierre Rochard and uh, Bitstein uh, and... Sorry if I'm not mentioning somebody else, but uh, I became close to recently to Bitstein, Michael Goldstein, and their content was way ahead of its time. They had the content, but then a lot of people repurposed what they wrote. Obviously, they made into into some. I guess they they they. they I want to say repurpose it, recycled it a little bit just to just to get more reach out there. But there were a lot of good pioneers in the space, early pioneers in 2011, 12, who really understood what the implications of what Bitcoin was. But that was hard to find. You, it would have been very difficult to find the, the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute back, uh, if, back even in 2017. But I think 2020, 2021, that's when the, the eruption of Bitcoin podcast material and then how I got my hands on the copy of the Bitcoin standard was in uh, late 2020. Uh, I know it was written in 2020, 2018, and I know it was rewritten. And then the, uh, the foreword was re rewritten because of uh, the, the, uh, the tidy of the um, foreword. And I know that safe and, and him have had a bit of a falling out for obvious reasons, but I'm glad that I got the copy that has uh, sailors uh, forward. Yeah. I read that book and that was like, wow, that was, that was a big, heavy read. That was like a, that was a groundbreaking read. I didn't take, it didn't take me, um, I mean, it took me a while. I, I was reading that book like every night for, uh, for a couple of months. It took me a while to get through it properly. I really wanted to not just read it, but study it. And that was also part of the big clincher of, of, of becoming orange pilled. Yeah, this book I also read, like it was also my first Bitcoin book. And I also remember it took me, I think, one and a half months or something like that. And I was also reading it almost every day. And mm. sometimes I just went back like 10 pages and rewrit, uh, re uh, uh, the, reread the whole 10 pages because I was like, this does not make 100% sense. I have to go back and read it again. And then, oh, oh, this is what it makes sense. Like, yes, exactly. It's hard to understand the whole concept at, at the first minute. But that's what Bitcoin is. It really changes you. You look at the world as it should be. 
the world yeah. that we've been brought up to, indoctrinated in these days, has 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 given us a warped um, vision, or not vision, sorry, warped uh, view of how, of the world, and it's done that on purpose. And Bitcoin recalibrates your your vision, <clears throat> your your um, your sight, and makes you see the world for what it is. And we understand that money is the most it's it's the most fundamental property that we have for transaction, for communication, for information, and that has been completely corrupted for um, hundreds of years. I mean, I say hundreds of years since the the birth of central proper central banking. You know, the from the um, um, from the days of uh, of Jekyll Island, but there was also also there was twink uh, a lot of a lot of um, central banking type behavior and the and 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 deflation and debasement of currencies happening many 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 years before millennia before before the king of the debasements happened, which was of the, the creation of Fed, Federal Reserve and all the other central banks that were the result of that of that. So, yeah, it's. Having to break through that 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 education of yours is not easy, and I'm going to understand. We have to sympathize that a lot of people. It's going to, they're going to find it very difficult to, uh, to 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 be able to see the world the way we see it now. And maybe I might be sounding like a um, <laughs> like a, a what you call it? Like a, I forgot the words. Sorry. Uh, I've got to put on pause, but uh, what's the word when uh, you have a group of people, fanatics? A conspiracy theorist? Uh, are you searching for oh, that? Yeah, I've, been, I've been labeled that all the time. That's normal. Okay. Yeah, that's, 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 a that's a badge of honor. What's the other one? doesn't matter. We can continue. The crazy anyway. people. Okay. No, crazy people like the... Ah, God, sorry, I should drink more coffee. It, it's okay. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, you're well-known... Uh, all over the world, but uh, especially also, I think, in, in, in Serbia, uh, as you are the in, in the royal family, as you are in the uh, as you are the Prince Philip of, of Serbia. How is the Bitcoin adoption going there? And how do people and especially outside of Bitcoin react to, to that? Well, I wasn't, I mean, the, the Serbian royal family, which was actually last when it was functioning, was Yugoslav royal family. Yes, it was created as a Serbian royal family, but it was abolished 1945 um, as uh, it, uh, under the state of uh, Yugoslavia. Uh, we won't get, get into the nitty gritty details of that, but um, my father was born in 1945 in exile in London, and he uh, married in 1972. Married my my mother, Princess. Uh, Maria de Or uh, Maria de Gloria Orleans de Braganza, Brazilian princess, who's also the heir. Uh, I mean, heir. She's a descendant of the last emperors of Brazil, the two only emperors of Brazil. One of them, which was Pedro II, uh, who was the one who paved the way for the liberation of slaves in Brazil. And on my father's side, it's the Karadjordjevic dynasty, which is a Serbian dynasty. He Karadjordje, who is my great times four grandfather he was the affluent uh, pig farmer turned general who who rose up and led the first uprising against the ottoman empire against us ottoman oppression and so i'm quite proud to say that i come from two lineages of 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 freedom fighters 
And this is something that maybe um, I want to continue and I want to emulate. And it's something I'm very proud of. And uh, maybe we can get onto, onto the topic of monarchy later on. But yeah, moving to Serbia recently, I wasn't, my father moved to Serbia in 2020, 2001, shortly after Milosevic was ousted. And he and his wife lived have been living ever since in the palace in Belgrade. There's two palaces in the same compound. And they've tried to do their work to try and promote the royal family. My stepmother and fa my father are doing a lot of charity work. But myself and my older brother, my twin brother, have always kept separate from this because um, my parents were divorced at, a, at, an, at an early age. So, you know, family problems. We didn't want to get involved with... Um, with having to deal with my father and stepmother relations. We were closer to my mother, um, still close to my father, but it was just, it wasn't until actually I married my wife in 2017 and had our son in 2018 that I actually properly got reestablished back with my, to, to my Serbian roots. And this was part of also along the same time as my Bitcoin journey, what really opened my eyes up to, um, to what it is be being a Serb and being an Orthodox Christian. And it tied in actually quite well with the, with the philosophy, with the ideology of, 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 um, of individual sovereignty and also being a Bitcoin maximalist. Both, I mean, discovering Bitcoin has a spiritual sort of awakening. And the same idea was, was also happening to me when I was rediscovering myself as a Serb. And so when I moved to Serbia in, during the pandemic, and I, I moved in June 2020 um, with my wife, we decided to be a voice for, for people. We had a platform, social media platform, and we wanted to uh, voice the concern of a lot of our people and to show that, you know, that, you know, we, we, we care. We want the royal family to 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 get back to maybe to the uh, to to a position of, of of having that not influence, but a lot of people in Serbia and within the region have a lot of respect for the Karadzic family. But at the same time, a lot of uh, that respect was also eroded away thanks to the uh, the socialists or communists during the years through propaganda. But still, there's a lot of Serbs, a lot of um, very proud Serbs who would love. For the monarchy to be re-established, uh, re, uh, re and it's not that it's my duty to to be the, the one that, to re-establish the monarchy. My duty is to make to hopefully lay the groundwork for it to happen in one day in the future. I have an issue that I don't speak Serbian fluently. I only started learning properly in the last three years since I moved here, and I forgot, I'll be I'll be honest, it's a very tough language. Mm. But I'm doing what I can. My my wife is Serbian. My son is speaking Serbian, like like a like a Serb, because his mother speaks to him in Serbian. He goes to Serbian school here. He's only five and a half years old. And then my daughter, who just recently was born in uh, November the fifth, two thousand twenty three, she she's uh, she'll be she'll be Serb. Where we live, we're living in Belgrade, and I am changing what the Karadzic didn't have, and that is the ability to live and being brought up in Serbia. Um, after so many years of exile, so already that is trying to lay the foundations for uh, for integration back of the Karadzic dynasty into into Serbian culture into Serbian identity, and this is something that we've been um, some people insult us and it's easy cheap 
digs at the family is that we don't speak Serbian, that we, that we might be uh, British spies, MI6, we might be KGB, we might be this and that. Yeah, I understand that because we're foreign. Look at me. I sound like a, I sound like a British. I, my, 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 back, my background is that I've been living in the UK most of my life and that's my accent. Um, although my accent, I wouldn't call it very 100% British, so maybe somewhere a little bit more American in there as well. But uh, yeah, I understand a lot that uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done for the re for the re-identity to be restored for the British. I mean, for the British, for the Serbian royal family, and just like the Bitcoiner that I am, I understand about the uh, actions of um, of long-term planning, long-term thinking. So I've really had to lower my time preference and build a family, which is something that I find very important these days. Because Serbia is going through a demographical nightmare, like most uh, countries in the West that have employed sort of liberal style policies. And its re uh, reproduction rate is only down at about 1.421. That means it's a dying nation. That means in 40, 30 years, we won't have, I mean, in 50 years, we won't have the Serbia that we have today. And this is the case for many other uh, nations out there who have lost their ways of uh, of um, who have gone down the liberal that neoliberal routes and lost their family value their their, their, their ways of, of of strong identity of family values. Serbia still has that, but I believe the population in the cities have gone a little bit astray with with liberalism. And I would love for Serbia to uh, to to um, to regain its its position as uh, as like it was back in the 1920s and 1930s before the Second World War as as a very I would say powerful but independent and rich asset building nation that was backed by gold gold backed money but it was fiat backed by gold and I have plans for it to be backed by by Bitcoin but that's another project down the line and. I guess I'm rambling on over here, but what I'm trying to say is that uh, the chain, the reason I moved back to Serbia is because I wanted to get in touch back with my Serbian roots, but also, also I wanted to lay the groundwork for my, my for my children and their children and their children's children, and to start something new from there, and to and for the dynasty to be to be uh, rejuvenated and reinstated in the way it should be, and not from a foreign uh, style introduction but more from a bottom-up groundwork um uh grassroots um strategy i say strategy um approach because i don't live in the palace i live downtown my wife and with and, and our children go to uh, my, my son goes to school downtown as well and i go to the market we travel the country i don't have security i'm not part of any details here and there so what I'm trying to do is something that is uh, has some risks, but I think potentially in the long run has could have some some payoffs for for, for Serbia and its 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 uh, its status as a as a freedom loving uh, sovereign um, individual individual sovereign country. Uh, it's it's amazing the the connection between like traditional values, family, religion, how. Yes. Uh, Bitcoin actually, like I talk with a lot of Bitcoiners, you're now my 35th guest 
uh, and uh, most of them that I interview have traditional values. Most of them are family fathers or want to build a family, as depending on how old they are. Uh, they have a strong connection usually with God and religion. Uh, they have different religions, but they all have a, a religious background. They believe in something. And the connection between that and Bitcoin is so fascinating because uh, Bitcoin is such a young thing. It's like su such a, a new modern thing that could be like really liberal, uh, but it's so connected to those traditional values, to those family uh, values and religion. But I think at the same time, Bitcoin can be liberal. I think Bitcoin can appease to anybody. And if you want to be liberal, if you want to be independent, if you don't want to have great family, if you don't, but, but still adhere to a, a monetary network that it's that's incorruptible, and that and that that promotes freedom and individual individual property rights, then so be it. You can do what you want, really. <laughs> I guess that's the libertarian mindset. But I think it tends to that if you are in that mindset already, that you will. Have tend to err on the fa on the family side of things and tradition culture as you said a religion and having relationship um having better relationships with your community and and with god i guess yeah it's interesting because in the end of the day bitcoin is just money like it's apolitical it has no values it's like mm -hmm. there's no founder that says oh you have to vote for this and stuff uh, and this is the best kind of state like there's no voice to it like there are so many voices to it but there's no voice to it if, if you understand what i mean and it's 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 just money in the end of the day but we see what bitcoin can do with people and can also do with states like uh, I mean, in, in kind of sense, maybe for Serbia, maybe for other nations, is like El Salvador maybe a, a role model for the nation-state nation adoption? Or how do you see that topic? I've always used Salvador as a role model. Um, I think the, the, the Salvadorian project is still, it's still very young, but it's showing great, great results. And I was there last I say last year, now it's two years ago, November 2022. And given that I speak Spanish, I was actually speaking to some locals and they were all very happy with, uh, with Bukele. I wasn't talking about his, about his, his Bitcoin policy necessarily, but about the other things that he's, he's done and about cracking down on crime, especially, mm. and, and the gangs and, and the positivity, the, the energy I got back from people was fantastic. People were like, I, like I've been, tra I travel around Latin America. I've traveled around Latin America before. And Latin American people always have a very positive nature, uh, um, uh, moods, nature, and they're very happy people. But I just found that this, what was happening in El Salvador, they just had an extra, um, an extra glean in their, in their, in their smile or something it was fantastic. I, I, I was really, really taken back by it and how, uh, what what it means to them that 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 five six years ago they were or maybe a little bit more they were the capital the murder capital um salvador san salvador the, the, the city was one of the murder capitals of the world and if you said that in 2015 that in uh that in the six seven years from then it would be one of the safest cities safer cities of the world in in, in latin america you'd be like yeah you're crazy but no, but they did it. He did it because because Bukele was incorruptible, and it took a Bukele type character to do that. But he understood what Bitcoin means, and he understood what was needed. And he only just enacted a law 
that was already in place in Parliament, he just turned it into an emergency act and managed to round up all those gang members. Yes, some innocent people got caught up in in in, uh, in the process, but that there are processes for them to be to be taken out. But in general, the payoff has been fantastic. That now um, GDP has gone up. I can't give you the, any figures, but tourism, as a result of tourism, has gone up. Trade, I'm sure, has gone up as well. You know, it's coffee is one of the biggest, uh, better known coffee producers of the world. I tried some fantastic coffees there. I even picked some coffees there with Samson Mao. Um, when we were hosted by uh, Edward Rivas, who's who was who's our director of uh, of marketing, he's uh, he's Salvadorian, and he has a very good coffee plantation in um, in in, uh, in one of the volcanoes, and overlooks one of the lakes. It's beautiful. And Samson and I, you know, this was during the bear market where we had to uh, had to work for for our for our living, and we started picking coffee <laughs> coffee beans. <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, El Salvador, the El Salvador example is something that I use when I write, when I talk to people as well. But I also use some other examples as well. And uh, one of them I say would be Switzerland. I look at uh, Lugano um, and Canton Zug. Lugano because they actually have de facto ad- adopted Bitcoin as some sort of legal t- tender. I won't be able to get into the nitty gritty of the laws of what that means, but you go to Lugano and they have a lot of uh, merchants that are accepting Bitcoin. And that's fantastic. This isn't Lugano. This is the third biggest uh, financial service sector in uh, a city in Switzerland, accepting Bitcoin in a country that probably has the least inflation in the world and has the highest G, uh, GNP per capita in the whole world. So it's ridiculous that some country, well, it's not ridiculous, it actually is logical. They get it, they understand. And they understand that the future is Bitcoin. And then I look at Canton Zug, and Canton Zug is a tax haven. They've taken more of a neutral approach. And they say, okay, anything goes, um, but obviously we will tax you for it at a very, very min- uh, small amount. And as a result, m- I say millions, thousands of businesses, especially hedge funds and some, some crypto style and some Bitcoin businesses have moved to Zug. And now Canton Zug is flourishing because of its um, very relaxed tax laws. And I think the combination of those two, of Lugano, Zug, are going to be setting a precedent for the rest of Switzerland, as as, I'm, as I am aware that Switzerland's the cantons can be very competitive with one another, and mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. Their decentralized nature means that it's in their interest to see who has the better system, and because they have the actual one of the only examples of direct dem- democracy that actually works. That the reason why Switzerland is in the position is it, it is is it in the position and is it in today is because of that direct democracy that has not uh, that hasn't broken yet. So I would presume that you will get Canton Bern and maybe uh, Geneva at some point adhering to something similar to what's happening in Zurich and Lugano, and then I think Zurich will be the last one given the size and prominence in the traditional financial markets. But uh, yeah, Switzerland, interesting, interesting case study there, given its, uh, its, 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 its wealthy, wealthy status, stable status, and, um, and neutral status. Another country that I like to look at is uh, the United Arab Emirates. 
And I believe the United Arab Emirates, very similar to kind of what Zug has done, is is taking this uh, a, this tax haven approach and have it a neutral approach and say, okay, everything goes here, obviously within reason, but you know they have allowed businesses to flourish, and now people are moving to 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 United Arab Emirates, and business is growing there. Also, the added benefit of United Arab Emirates is that they are an absolute monarchy, and their family is very much tied to the success of the future of the United Arab Emirates. So they have invested a lot of their money, time, and efforts to making sure that their country is successful, not just in the next five years or six years or whatever it is, like a, like a typical uh, democratic election cycle, but for the next 50, 100, 150 years. And this is something that you won't read much in the news. You will read stories about, oh, yeah, they overbuilt stuff. They overbuilt buildings. They, ha they have too many office spaces that there are for, for businesses and stuff. But no, I hear stories from, from locals that Dubai is doing pretty well and they are looking to be set in, in, in the right direction for the next sort of 50, 50 to 100 years. And countries in the West would be incredibly envious your 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 netherlands your belgiums your your uk's your sweden's your norway's and stuff they would be very envious of what would be what was what, what is happening in united arab Emirates. united arab Emirates is not perfect i think they maybe embraced too much the whole feminism culture um because as a result too many women and please don't get me wrong i'm not it's not i'm not saying that feminism is a bad thing i think there's parts of feminism that will work but we understand where feminism's true cause is and that is trying to get more people into the workforce and trying to get kids into schools so they can be indoctrinated well i have news for uae and sadly that their birth rate has gone down to about 1.47 and that is not replacing their culture but i'm sure the royal family are going to pick up on this and they will start to maybe incentivize women to stay home and do what uh, they do best and that's the most important job in life the most fulfilling job in life and that is to be to be raising families and raising the next generations and educating them and coupled coupling this with uh with the ability to save in something like bitcoin gold even as well i would be i would be an advocate of but obviously bitcoin far superior that these families are able will they will be able to do this and you will see their birth rate go back up up, up to the 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 ideal 2.1 which replaces and grows uh, populations i'm super excited to announce that this podcast just got the first ever sponsor i just started the podcast out like three months ago and now we have 21 bitcoin as a partner for this podcast 21 bitcoin is Bitcoin only from day one and they teach and preach self-custody. This is my go-to exchange when someone asks me, oh, where can I buy my Bitcoin from? This is the easiest entry for Bitcoiners. And if you want lower fees, plus at the same time support this podcast, use code ROBIN and click the link in the description. There are so many uh, things uh, in there, what you just uh, said, like the first with El Salvador, I just uh, spoke like a week ago with a couple that moved two years ago to El Salvador. Uh, and they told me that when they first got to there, most shop owners had like um, guards in front of their shops. And 
most of their guards are now gone because they don't need it anymore. Like some still have it, like in, in the the country got so much safer and also switzerland uh having uh is is a really funny state because as you said it's like the lowest inflation they have a really sound financial system uh compared to all the other countries uh and still they get bitcoin and it's just because of that i think because they're getting uh the financial system and they know how to handle it that they are getting Bitcoin and then we are getting back to all, all the values and it's it's kind of all connected like the security of the of the state, the f- sound financial system, the, the traditional family family values, because if we don't have the traditional family family values, we uh, die out at some point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, if we don't well, get the West, uh, the West is dying, I'm afraid to say, and I, I have to say that it, it's it's worse in some parts than other. I consider maybe uh, the Balkans as part of the West because I mean, if you draw it, you have to draw a line somewhere. But they have been sucked. Their their demographics has been sucked dry from from the actual West because we have high quality labor. We have educated people. And when these guys, when our, when our, when Serbs, when Macedonians, Slovenians, Slovenians less so, their country is a bit much more stable. Croatians, Bosnians, when they get educated, they just want to move abroad. And that's just making the, the situation worse. Yeah. My, my job as well, sorry to, 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 to interrupt you, but my job is a uh, uh, mission as well back in Serbia is my wife and I were opening up a foundation, which is the hereditary Prince Philip and uh, Princess Danica Foundation, Royal Foundation. And we, one of the things that we'd be working on is trying to reverse this brain drain and trying to get people to stay here and to create opportunities um, where jobs are created and people won't need, won't have the need to leave. And actually we want to have a reverse and have a net in migration. So yeah, it's a tall order, but we've got to start somewhere. That's uh, that's a great mission, I think. And uh, be, and if if we summarize everything we just said, like maybe in the last ten minutes, and mm-hmm. we are coming to the conclusion that like Bitcoin is a really good idea, and there are already examples uh, in nations like El Salvador and, and 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 Switzerland where it's like kind of implemented and it goes really well. What's holding? most nation states back from adopting bitcoin like what's what's the thing <laughs> that has to happen in the next like 50 years for people for nations to it's, adopt Bitcoin? it's a very very good question i think fear doubt and uncertainty i think you know the world uh the you saw what happened during covid when all the countries most of the countries in the world acted in lockstep when it started locking down economies, telling people to wear masks and then asking them to stupidly get vaccinated with something that's experimental. That is what we're up against. And there are forces out there and people say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, there's no such thing as a cabal of people controlling the world. Well, no, actually, it's just pure logic. Of course, there's a group of small individuals who own a, a load of the uh, of the world's wealth who will meet together to try and act in their own best interest. That's, that's what's holding back pure adoption. Uh, um, that's what's ha- uh, holding back adoption for countries to make the decision to say, yeah, let's make it our legal currency. I mean, our our our, our legal tender and stuff. 
but I don't think that's really our a problem for Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin, we at Jan three are understand that Bitcoin is a bottom up. I say revolution. I say a bottom up strategy. It's a grassroots strategy. You can't stop it from um, from growing. It's descent completely decentralized. It's like the mycelium of the forest. It's just going to grow. You cut off one chunk, it's just going to grow even stronger somewhere else. You saw that with the case study of of China uh, banning its mining, which was a fantastic thing. Next thing you know, mining became even more decentralized. It's the it's it's the ten headed beast that you cut off one head and twenty more heads come out. It's fantastic. Well, I think countries, smaller countries, more agile countries. And not your big G7 or G20, or whatever, GPAC countries are the ones uh, not going to be, they're not going to be the ones uh, ad- adopting Bitcoin in any short shape or form. They might be using it here and there. They might be uh, accepting it to some extent there and here. But the ones who properly um, adopt it are the ones, are the, le- are, are, are the smaller countries who have been hard done by uh, trade situations and capital controls and, econ- and and being hard done by the dollar. So I'm looking mainly towards Latin America. You know, we were recently, Samson and Ben were recently in Suriname. Um, they have bad inflation there. It's in the 50, 60%. Um, and, but there are politicians there. There's groups of politicians there who are waking up to the fact that Bitcoin can save, can uh, help save their situation. They have their energy rich country and maybe they can, um, they can do to work something with, uh, with, with mining Bitcoin, but also there's maybe talk about them trying to put like, uh, buy one or two percent of, of their, of their of their of their reserves on on with bitcoin um i'm seeing we're seeing interests of other countries around el salvador costa rica guatemala um uh, el salvador panama we're seeing these countries looking at at el salvador thinking yeah i kind of we kind of want to sort of see that happening within our borders too but the problem is that those countries have different governance models and with different governance models comes different strategies. So I don't think you'll get a Bukele anytime soon. And a Bukele is, it's a very, it's an outlier in terms of, um, yeah, he's an outlier in terms of how, what he did and how he did it and, and if it will ever be replicated. I think you will have, you'll have more process, um, you'll have the more democratic I'm not saying that El Salvador is not democratic it is it just happens that he has 90% approval so people perceive him as a as a dictatorship but whatever he has 90% approval and he's doing good for the country but say say for example like somewhere like Costa Rica where they say they have one of the most developed democracies in the world comparable to Switzerland then you got to say all right well that's <laughs> that's going to be an absolute challenge how many hoops and 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 sort of uh, hoops and boundaries you have to go through in order for 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 Bitcoin to to happen. So I think the smaller countries. So I'm going back to saying the smaller countries that are, have some sort of energy um, ability to 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 uh, to use energy to mine Bitcoin. I think that's going to be one of the causes for for adoption. I think that. And that, given that energy is the most important sector in in the world, I mean, without energy, nothing really works. 
And right now, energy is is under a fifty one percent attack. I'd say thanks to globalist policy ideology of this climate scam. So I think there's, there will be a pushback from rational people like Bitcoiners who understand that you can actually use Bitcoin. And this is also proven right by papers written by the big, big four accounting companies, namely KPMG, proving that Bitcoin is the ultimate, one of the ultimate ESG assets and tools that we have out there and can actually help the climate. Not that the climate actually needs helping, but that's another top conversation. But I think that uh, energy is going to be play a big part in uh, in, in in countries adopting uh, Bitcoin to, in some shape or form. You saw what happened in um, in the Kingdom of Oman. I think it's Oman. Excuse me if I if, if no, not Bahrain. It's Oman. Kingdom of Oman recently at end end of uh, summer last year, or was around May or June last year. They actually have invested 1.1 billion into into mining bitcoin because they're energy rich and they realize that money is energy and so they're starting to connect the dots and now that that's that's that sort of those investments for small countries like that that have some sort of energy who want in the, to be independent will start to start to to move into bitcoin in that sort of way of form so I'm going to ramble on and say that, for example, here in Serbia my I, and, and within the region, my ideal strategy over here was that I don't see that Bitcoin as a currency taking off quite yet. People here are a little bit too skeptical of Bitcoin. They associate too much of something being of something digital, even though it's not really digital. It's actually more electronical. But they see it maybe something like as control, like a CBDC, and, uh, and it's going to take away your freedom and all that. And they are very cash orientated and they, they're very much about their, you know, hoarding cash under their mattresses. But uh, they don't, then they realize that that cash has been eroded at 10% inflation every year and it's only going to get worse. But uh, for example, Serbia has incredible capacity for geothermal energy. And thanks to Bitcoin, geo Sorry, its capacity is not very easily accessible. It requires a lot of investment. But thanks to Bitcoin, that will actually, and Bitcoin mining, that could actually reduce the time and the effort and the cost of actually um, extracting that energy and providing it to the millions of homes that are needed to heat, to be heated over winter and be cooled over summer in Serbia, and therefore gaining energy independence from the likes of, 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 of Russia, which we have great relationship to Russia, but that's under threat thanks to certain uh, current geopolitical um, um, dynamics. But wouldn't it be great if Serbia just decides, okay, let, let's focus on our geothermal capacity. Let's start, let's start uh, drilling some holes here and there. And if these don't actually destroy the environment, and now we have hot water springs because we have so many hot water springs that these hot water springs can now be bringing hot water to, to, to heat homes all, all in some areas, and then that hot water can be used to create energy that can mine Bitcoin that will then make money to then pay for roads and for services, and then we can lower people's taxes and then improve the people's uh, cost of living, and all of a sudden energy prices go down year over year, and then people will come over because of the, of the stability and the investing into the country. It's just a multiplier effect. It just makes so much sense, but it takes it just takes a bit of time and understanding. So. 
I think education is another big part of it. As I said before, fear, doubt, and uncertainty. And I think that fear is a big, is a big thing. The fear of the unknown. You know, the internet in the nine, in the, in, in the early nineties was a big fear for a lot of people. I got to say, I'll admit, I, I was, I wasn't, I was young, but I was like, you know, what is this stuff? This, you know, what, what is this internet stuff? You know, there's books, there's, uh, there's TV, there's radio, but then look what happens. Look what happened to the internet. It's incredible. Um, so I think there will be an inflection point where people will start to understand that, uh, that Bitcoin is that base layer of money. And there's so much stuff that can be done, so much utility that can be done on top of it through different layers and through mining and through and through what just Bitcoin does. That's going to change the world for the better. Yeah, true. It's 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 basically just a matter of time till people and nation states and institutions and everybody involved uh, figures out what Bitcoin is and how Bitcoin can help on an individual level, on a nation state level, on an institutional level. Mm -hmm. And it's it's. I think it's crazy how far we already got with a founder of Bitcoin going away after one year, basically, and saying, yeah, let's, let's live, let's uh, let it live on and it's good enough already. And now uh, public companies have adopted it, nation states adopting it, it's getting legal tender status. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's, I think it's a really good thing uh, to be involved in. And maybe coming back to Chain Free and uh, mm -hmm. nation state adoption, like we covered already a lot of countries now. Uh, and but I see you and and Samson Mao and and other people from Chain Free going a lot on, on to a lot of different countries, meeting with people, meeting with presidents. Um, what's the current state uh, of of nation states? What could be the the next nations that uh, adopt Bitcoin on a legal standard, legal tender basis? Uh, what's the what's the current outlook right now? The current outlook is look. It's not. I wouldn't say it's hot, but it's going. It, with the coming bull market, then it will it will speed up. We have conversations. You know, you, we saw us in um, in Suriname and Colombia. I was also, we were also recently in, in Montenegro. So I think you'll start to see some nation states um, making moves into Bitcoin in different shapes and forms, as, as we talked about before. And I think namely energy, but also maybe allocating their, um, some of their, their, their reserves into Bitcoin, but, and to the point of actually accept, uh, accepting it as, uh, as legal tender. Um, I won't. I can't, and I can't disclose what what what's I because I don't have the information. I don't have the the crystal ball. But uh, I would just say that uh, I think later this year you will see. You should see some nation states making some. Uh, I say bold, bold because um, that's how let's say uh, the mainstream will, will call it. But I'd say, but also bold in our world as well because. It is still a risk at some respect that, you know, you, if you're a first mover, you are still taking some risk, but they will be rewarded. They will be handsomely rewarded. These will be strong, bold moves, just like Bukele is, is done and, and how Michael Saylor did with, uh, in, the, in the corporate world. So, yeah, I think there's going to be there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of activity in the second half of this year and then, and then going into next year. And we have more meetings with uh, with more countries uh, later this year. And you know, for for example, Montenegro, we have speaking to speaking to a couple of uh, very intelligent Montenegrin Bitcoiners who have some great plans have, uh, uh, lined up there. So it's it's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, 
I don't want to burst everyone's bubble and say, yeah, it's going to happen. You know, all countries are going to start piling into it. You know, there's going to be a big rush to, 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 to global adoption and stuff. No, but it will happen bit by bit. And that's the old saying is gradually, then suddenly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And how do you see if like more and more countries now adopting Bitcoin and, and like for me personally, I adopted a full Bitcoin standard. I still have to pay most things in fiat currency because it's not otherwise uh, possible but i always try to be at like zero feared and mm -hmm. if more and more people do that and if more and more even nation states starting to do that and we having like if we take 1971 as like the 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 complete beginning of the fiat standard of course it was there before but then 1971 it, it really like kind of took off the fiat standard uh, it already survived um, more than 50 years how long can this fiat uh, system still survive will it always survive can it survive another 50 100 years well as you're seeing right now for its survival to happen it it, it seems to be that the it's earth the the depth is just only going to get greater and greater so can it be paid can this debt ever be paid off no it won't be paid off so there has to be some bubble that will pop I mean, some bubble, that bubble will have to somehow come down and be popped. And I don't see it's mathematically possible to uh, to repay that debt because that debt is just getting, getting worse and worse. Um, then you have to ask the question, so who would then take the role as global reserve asset? And this is people been talking about BRIC countries. Um, maybe one of those countries standing out and saying, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll be that uh, global reserve. But I don't think any any one of those countries want to be global reserve. I think they might want to have more dominance with a currency. But you have to remember that a global reserve currency has to also uh, print money and to export money. So they will have to then also become a net importer of goods in order to balance those trade. This is known as the Griff beliefs. I forget it was Peruvian bull who taught me who taught me this. Uh, he's a great account to, to listen to. And I heard him on a podcast saying that um, the Griffin dilemma, Griffin dilemma is that uh, you would have to print, you, <clears throat> you'd have to, if you're a e net exporter of goods, like most of these BRIC countries are, Brazil, Russia, India, China, <clears throat> and, um, and South Africa, they export more than they import. But then if you become a, reserve currency you will have to start exporting your currency so in order to stop runaway inflation you will then have to start importing more goods than you are exporting so i don't see those countries starting to import more goods um so that's the dilemma this is what america was able to pull off for many years is that they are a consumption country and they can consume more than they can they actually consume a uh, more than they uh, than they export to to some extent, so they're able to balance that. Not to say that it was perfect, but they uh, they're now running away from that 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 that, that dilemma is catching up with them. So and then the BRICS would consider them maybe putting together a, a basket of, of 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 currencies or maybe commodities together to to be to for for, for money to be backed by that. But I think over time, you know, trust is the issue over here. It's like, um, you know, BRIC countries are BRIC countries. They, uh, they've got big economies, growing economies. But uh, let's say that politics in those countries is always unstable. So trust is always going to be an issue. 
And so if trust is an issue, what is there out there that uh, doesn't need trust as trustless and you can verify, then that's Bitcoin. So I think there will be a, a point where those bigger of the of the of the of the um, of the brick style countries and your turkeys and your argentinas and people like that will then realize okay well actually yeah, i think it's about time that we we uh, we join this trustless system and yeah so i my, i'm very bullish about bitcoin and in in the in the very long term so yeah Okay, game theory is definitely starting yeah. uh, to to come along and 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 take. It's gonna come. Uh, it's gonna come very suddenly, but right now it's very gradually. So I mean, what we do at Jan three is we go and plant seeds around the place, and we go try and try and get introductions to governments around the world. We've spoken to a lot of politicians, leaders, um, uh, even just influential people, and just uh, try to orange pill them. And people get it. People, I say, people get it. But some people don't get it. And but but planting that seed of education and it's I think there will be a point and I think that given how the world is on is works under under political cycles and right now we're sort of at the end of a geo massive geopolitical cycle I think there will there will be an inflection point where something massive takes off. Maybe in the terms of the BRICS trying to organize together with some global reserve currency backed by 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 some commodities, or or one of them wanting to maybe China saying, "Oh no, I want to take the stand over here," but I doubt that's going to happen. But then there will be a movement towards Bitcoin afterwards. I'm being very hope, hope uh, optimistic and very idealistic, but uh, I I think that we're we're only a matter of a few years away from that. And also, given that also people are living right now through the through some of the worst uh, inflation um, cost of living crises in, in in living memory since the 1970s, this is something that's not just experienced in countries like um, like 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 Venezuela, Lebanon, and uh, and and oh, I don't know, other other high inflation countries, Turkey, and places like that. But I think that other countries who have now had, had who have had now experienced double-digit inflations, UK, Serbia included, America was almost up there, but I believe it was up there. It's just the way they manipulate their, their, their statistics. Um, that now people are suffering, people are hurting. And so, so that and education of Bitcoin, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to move. It's going to, it's going to move very quickly. That's a, I think that's a, a great point uh, to come to our end routine uh, that Bitcoin will move and Bitcoin will have uh, a full fledged adoption in like the, the near and long term future. Uh, for, and, and for everybody that is on a low time preference Bitcoin standard, I think it, it will pay off uh, heavily. Um, and we are having an end routine in the podcast where the previous guest asks a question for the next guest. Uh, and there's an interesting one, I think, a question that uh, a lot of people with a short time horizon usually think about. Uh, I don't care about the question too much, but I still want to ask it because it comes from the previous guest. Mm -hmm. When can we see a 100k US dollar Bitcoin price? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the 100k question. I mean, I mean, you are in contact a lot with Samson Mao, uh, who thinks he, he, that... No, yeah, I think the question should be when, when we will see a hundred, uh, 1 million US dollar Bitcoin. 
Yeah, um, we can remodel the, the question for yeah, one million. No, I think hundred k. I think hundred k is a lot is a lot closer than we think. Yes, so I think uh, I think by the end of the year, let's say. Yeah, I uh, say by October. Octless, I'm going to put a date there. I'm not into this. I'm not into that playing that anymore. That's what I used to do back in the days when I was an old co- uh, shitcoin old coiner. But I'm going to say October 2024. Ah, uh, we'll see 100k. Yeah, I, I also think it's it's really difficult for Bitcoin not to hit 100k this year. But, yeah, of course. But also, I'm really young with 25, so I actually want Bitcoin to stay as low as possible for as long as possible <laughs> because I want to stake my Bitcoin. I don't, I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> but just looking out for my personal uh, things. Um, where can people find you? Get in touch with you. Is there anything uh, you want to add to what we discussed today? Uh, people can get in touch with the Jan three. I mean, you can post it on uh, on on the. Or when you release this on your post, yeah. but uh, I'm I'm my Twitter handle is Prince Philip One. That's P R I N C F I L I P One, and then we have Jan Three Com. Dot com. I I forget. But anyway, you can write it down. Yeah. And also have Instagram and and Jan Three has Instagram as well, but Twitter's better. Yeah, Twitter is the, the, the main source. Uh, and just also another thing is come to Serbia. There's uh, I didn't really speak much about much about Serbia. It's come to Serbia. We have a, a growing a growing uh, Bitcoin scene out here. We have a, a hub that was just opened up, uh, let's see, end of last year, no, end of, end, year before last. And it's now turned into a non-profit. And we have fantastic maxis working in there. Um, and it's it's it's. It's uh, it's already paying off. We have uh, a lot of projects happening there. You know, we have some events, meetups, somewhere for a place for education, for socials, and the location is in downtown Belgrade. It's a very, 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 very good location, and you can go. Um, it's called Dvadeset Yedan, and the hub is called Hub Twenty One, and it's uh, it's a great place to to meet uh, Serbian uh, Bitcoiners, but also for traveling Bitcoiners to get together and for a workspace as well. So yeah, visit Serbia. That's uh, that's great. Are there any uh, Bitcoin conferences uh, happening in in Serbia? Do you know about any? No, there's no. Uh, there's shitcoin conferences. Like there's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was invited to some meta bullshit conference, and I think there was some Solana one the other. I said the other day last year and stuff. Obviously, you're not going to see me at those. But I think it's about time that uh, that, that we have a, a Bitcoin only conference. Yes, yeah. We need those in in every country to happen. I I was in Prague last year and it was amazing because it was so Prague close was fantastic. to me. And and yeah, it it I I want to see more Bitcoin only conferences around uh, Austria, Germany, Serbia, all of Europe. Basically, it would be amazing yeah. to find. Oh, yeah, I just want to have ones to invite locals to to understand and learn more about what Bitcoin is, and to try and um, squash those those misconceptions that really are still still. Uh, holding a lot of people back from understanding what Bitcoin is. But also there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of how to actually buy and acquire and hold Bitcoin. You know, we have Binance, we have Kraken, we have ECD, which is an exchange run by a good friend of mine, a friend of mine here. But uh, it's always the quest of trying to make user experience easier and, and knowledge better. So people are able to get onto the Bitcoin standard and able to protect their hard earned money in the easiest, safest, best way possible for their circumstances. So, yeah, 
That's the quest. Yeah. That's what Bitcoiners have to do. <laughs> That's why we are here for. Uh, thank you for being on, and I'm already looking forward to what's what's next for Gen Free and you. Robin, it's an absolute pleasure, and uh, looking forward to seeing you. <laughs>